Chapter 2 Hi, I'm Molly Demarest, the General Manager of American Underground, a Google for Startup tech hub in Durham, North Carolina. We believe that startups are a vehicle for increasing and diversifying economic opportunity, but require cultivation. A flower doesn't blossom without the right soil, nutrients, water, and sunlight, and neither does a company. As part of my role, I've had the privilege to journey with hundreds of startup founders, listening to them, asking questions, making connections, and ultimately supporting them as they navigate through unforeseen problems. The journey of a founder is just that, a journey. And while often unpredictable, prioritizing just enough structure to cultivate the creative vision increases the probability for success. Listen closely to this upcoming chapter, The Navigator's Hat, as it offers perspective on what is necessary for you to cultivate your own company. Chapter 2, The Navigator's Hat Wouldn't it be great if entrepreneurs could see into the future? We'd know which ventures to avoid and which ones will really pay off. We'd know how much money we are going to need and when. We'd be prepared for whatever was waiting for us around the next bend. Starting a new venture is a lot like being Magellan or one of those early explorers sailing out into the unknown. It's the unknown part of the equation that creates the adventure's excitement and risk. Several of those early explorers didn't make it back. I don't remember their names because history kind of forgot about them. The successful ones that we do remember didn't just jump into a boat and hope for the best. Those explorers spent months, sometimes years, planning and preparing for their journey. How big of a ship will I need? How much food? How will I deal with storms? What will the winds and current be like? And most important, what course is best? The great explorers were good sailors, but so were the guys who drowned and starved. What made explorers successful was their ability to plan and navigate. Hope is never a strategy. Long before they stood majestically posed on the bow of their ship, they spent countless hours hunched over candles, thinking through every possible scenario they might encounter. Those early navigators made best-guess assumptions about riggings, food consumption, wind and current patterns, and modified those assumptions each day as new data was collected. They were great explorers first and foremost because they were great planners. Successful entrepreneurs don't jump in the water and start swimming. Like the Boy Scout mantra says, they were always prepared. The navigator's hat is one of the very first hats you have to put on as an entrepreneur. If your plan is not sound, then you really won't have a business at all. Planning or modeling a new venture as accurately as possible provides the insights needed to successfully surf the edge between growing your venture as fast as possible and not running out of money. It is the tool that will help you understand your cost and what resources you'll need. More than any other document, it is also going to give potential investors insights into how their money will be used to generate a return and the confidence they need to put up the seed capital you need. Knowing how to use a spreadsheet is a must. As precious as the early navigators' compass and sextant, it is your spreadsheet that makes navigation for your venture possible. If you aren't comfortable modeling things over time using a spreadsheet, then I suggest you stop reading this and go learn. It's not that hard, but it is an imperative skill.
There are very few businesses today that can be managed without a solid spreadsheet model and someone at the helm who knows how to use it to steer. Business modeling is a little bit of predictive science and a lot of educated best guessing. I like to build a model on the first spreadsheet tab that shows sections for forecasted revenue, cost, and cash on hand over consecutive months projected across the horizontal axis. These go out two to three years based on assumptions that are listed in the first two columns as seen in the next image. Try not to hardwire numbers under each month that might change, but rather have them calculate automatically from a formula based on the assumption you are making to the left. This way, you can modify an assumption and the forecasted row to the right of it recalculates automatically. In your review section, for example, you might show the number of salespeople you plan to have each month, how many sales they will make, and at what price points are all calculated from the assumptions listed at the beginning of each row. This example is very simplistic and used here only to show a proposed organizational layout. Your model may have revenue sources with specific associated costs. I like this layout because it keeps the assumptions in line with the variables they modify. Most importantly, it keeps those critically important assumptions up front, forcing entrepreneurs to constantly reevaluate them. An assumption is anything that you might be wrong about or that might change as you try to forecast the most likely future for your business. Assumptions are things like the price you think your customer will pay, deal size, how much you will need to pay your staff, how many marketing dollars you will have to spend to acquire a new customer, and or how many sales your average salesperson can make in a month. Some models have a few dozen assumptions, while others can have hundreds. Don't get one of those elaborate spreadsheet templates with dozens of tabs that will take you months to understand. Build your own. Start simple. Model only the most salient features and variables that will most dramatically affect your venture. First, you need to acknowledge what you don't know. What are the variables that will affect your business? There are many great discussions that this exercise generates around cost, sales cycle, customer churn, receivables, collection time, when to hire, etc. For all practical purposes, this spreadsheet forecast is your business. It is the steering wheel on your ship, without which you are just waiting for monthly financials and guessing. All of the numbers in a given month's column are added or subtracted as necessary to produce the cash-on-hand number at the bottom of that column. This number is like the EKG bleep on a heart monitor. If it goes negative, then your venture will most likely die on that date. Hunt down reasonable starting assumptions for the variables in your model. This can be difficult, but you have to start with at least reasonable assumptions based on what you can know now. I was recently working with a startup that wanted to sell HVAC air filters online via a consumer subscription model. A little research into shipping rates was all it took to come up with a reasonable assumption as to what their typical box shipping cost might be. But they also needed to know less obvious things, such as how often will consumers feel it is necessary to change their home air filters. They also needed to know things like what percentage of their customers would purchase the really cheap filters versus the more expensive and higher margin hypoallergenic filters. Both of these numbers would dramatically affect their forecasted revenue, profit, and the amount of money they needed to raise. Sometimes you can get reasonable starting assumptions from a proxy. 
A proxy is a mature company or proven model that is similar in some ways to parts of your new venture. One of the companies I am advising offers a tablet-based customer comment card for services-based businesses like restaurants to obtain customer satisfaction survey data. When trying to forecast what a restaurant owner might be willing to pay for such a tool, they were able to find similar offerings, such as web-based surveys offered to customers via URL addresses printed on their cash register receipt. Although not a one-to-one -one comparison, it did give them a reasonable data point as to how valuable restaurateurs consider this type of tool and, in effect, what they might be willing to pay for something similar. Sometimes you just have to be clever and diligent to get the data points you need. The subscription service filter guys needed to model a number for what their warehouse shipping clerks were going to cost each month. We were able to research help wanted ads to find out the typical salary range for shipping clerks. To find out how often consumers changed their filters, they could have just hung out at Lowe's or Home Depot in their air filter aisle and asked the people picking up filters how long it has been since their last filter change. Even a small sampling can give you a feel for a reasonable starting number for an assumption. I am a big believer in focus groups. Invite a bunch of people over for pizza and ask them to critique your reasoning. Have them take a survey and average your findings. So long as the group you are pulling from is representative of your demographic, you should be able to at least get a starting number. Be careful not to lead your audience into telling you what they think you want to hear. And be mindful of how you word survey questions. Often you can get very different results simply by wording a question in a slightly different way, insinuating different connotations. In The Art of War, Sun Tzu said that no battle plan survives the first arrow. I'm not a big fan of a detailed written business plan, which always seems obsolete a month after it is written. But I am a huge fan of a detailed spreadsheet model, a living document where the logic behind every number can be explained in detail and updated as needed. You can do a polished written plan if you choose, but those with the scars from many hands-on startup battles will tell you that in the early days, it's best to save your precious time for the spreadsheet model. By living document, I mean that the model is always being updated. I encourage entrepreneurs to establish the discipline each month of overriding the forecasted sell equations for that month with the real actual data. Once you have the real number of sales for the month of March, you should overwrite the forecasting equations in these cells with the actual sales number. Then look to see if your assumption to the left should be updated in light of the new actual data point. For example, you may have assumed that an inside salesperson would close four sales per week, but for the last two months, you notice that they have on average only closed 2.3 sales. Modifying the variable average sales close per month per salesperson from 4.0 to 2.3 will recalculate your model for all future months. Now, how does your model look? What changes might you need to implement based on your new forecasted future? Your forecast is like your radar, telling you about both problems and opportunities you are likely to face in the future. You will find that certain assumptions are not that critical, but others can dramatically change your outcome. These are the ones you need to pay very close attention to, run what-if scenarios on, and have a few contingency plans in your pocket. I like to include a graph at the bottom of my model that shows dollars on the vertical axis and months across the horizontal. 
only three lines are graphed, gross revenue, total expenses, and cash on hand. Where the revenue and expense line cross in the future is where your venture reaches that important cash flow positive state. The cash line will be dropping rapidly each month until your revenue number exceeds your expense line. If you've raised enough startup capital and you have a viable business model, then the cash on hand line will not go into the negative. Over time, your spreadsheet model can become amazingly accurate at predicting the future. I sometimes refer to a mature model as a crystal ball. Keep in mind that accurate modeling is useless unless you are willing to make the hard decisions necessary based on the information and forecast it provides. Sometimes the model will encourage you to be more aggressive with new hires and marketing, while other times it will warn you to proceed with a slower and more cautious approach. Any business can have a stellar or down month, so avoid making knee-jerk decisions but when a pattern emerges, it is the navigator's job to act decisively. Don't hesitate to downsize if that's what it takes to keep your venture afloat. And don't procrastinate doing what you know needs to be done by saying each month that you can make it up next month. Saying, we can sell our way out of this, is akin to the proverbial redneck saying, watch this. Something bad usually happens next. It's easy to dig a hole that you can't climb out of. As an entrepreneur, your forecast is your best friend, but it is only as good as your commitment to act on it. If the radar tells you there is an iceberg ahead and you ignore the information, then there's no real benefit to having radar in the first place. I believe that it is very important to develop your business model yourself. Don't hand this task off to your accountant or rented CFO. You need to do this yourself because you need to understand your business, and building this model yourself is the best way for you to accomplish that. It will also empower you to interpret what the model is telling you in the future. If you can't model your business yourself on a computer screen, then there's no way you are going to be able to build it in the real world. I'll close out this section with a few practical tips to remember when building your model. First, be conservative. I love how entrepreneurs tend to be optimists. As children, I'm certain that had we been put in a pool of horse manure up to our necks, we simply would have smiled and looked for a pony to ride. Normally, optimism is a good thing, but the one occasion when it will work against you is forecasting. I have found most first-pass revenue models to be overstated by 100%. So if the range for estimated sales is 3 to 7 per month, then use three sales per month, or better yet, two sales per month as the assumption in your model. Being ahead of plan is a wonderful problem to have, but finding yourself overextended and undercapitalized is as horrible psychologically as it is fiscally. You also don't want to set expectations for your investors that aren't realistic. Investment terms often give your investors the rights to take more equity, decline a promised capital call, or even fire you from your own company if you get too far behind plan. So don't hand out big sticks that might be used later on in your beating. When doing your initial model, keep an open mind. If conservative numbers just don't work, then don't hesitate to walk away from your idea or to radically change the plan. Many great ideas are just not practical, can't be monetized, or require more startup capital than you will be able to attract. Success is much more about the entrepreneur than the idea. 
So don't get all emotionally attached to your first love. The model did its job, so you can now free up your time and your mind for the next more viable idea. Second, develop your model on a cash basis rather than an accrual basis. This simply means that when you make a sale, don't recognize the revenue until you have actually received it. Some businesses are credit card based and you get the money at the time of the sales transaction. However, others, especially most B2B sales, will be on net 30 to even net 60 terms. This means you waiting a month or two to get paid. Even if your accounting system is accrual based, your model should always be cash based because if you can't make payroll, your employees aren't really going to care that you have lots of theoretical cash on the books. This often means modeling the revenue a month or two after the sale, which can make a big difference in how much money you need to raise or keep on hand. A startup is all about not running out of money, so focus on the left side of your graph, i.e. the months prior to the revenue and expense line crossing. This is the area that is critically important to monitor and manage. These graphs often hockey stick up towards the right side, and that is a wonderful thing, but that is not where you must focus. Obviously, if you were netting half a million per month in profits, then your plan would change radically. While that may be great, you have to survive the lean months or even years to the left of that graphical intersection. Therefore, manage on the left side of the revenue expense intersection, or you may never get to the right side. Keep your expense lines as minimal as possible. The trappings of business are just distractions that shorten your runway. Unless you are a customer destination center, you don't need fine desks or bookcases. Flex space and folding tables are often more than enough to get you going. A true entrepreneur would trade his or her nice desk any day to fund one additional marketing campaign in those early days. The tremendous amount of used office furniture and equipment available today is testament that most startups don't make it, especially the ones with fancy trappings. And whatever you do, avoid those $800 Aeron chairs, even the used ones. I think they might be bad luck because every startup I've ever seen that had even just one ran out of money. Just like those early explorers sailing out into the abyss, you need to be armed with a well-conceived plan. Making high-risk decisions with limited information is scary, and the main reason why the faint of heart don't start companies. However, a well-conceived and continuously updated business model will be the precious instrument panel that enables you to navigate your ship through the fog of an uncertain future. That concludes this chapter of The Startup Hats, Master the Many Roles of the Entrepreneur by David Gardner. If you like this chapter and you can't wait for the next one in a week, you can download and listen to the entire audiobook on Audible. Startup Hats is sponsored by Forest Firm, a full-service law firm and certified B Corporation with offices across North Carolina and clients around the globe. The Forest Firm mission is to provide legal services that consistently exceed client expectations, create healthy, sustainable work environments for professionals, and positively impact the communities where they live and work. For more information, head on over to forestfirm.com. For more information on the work that David Gardner is doing with his venture capital firm, visit cofounderscapital.com. Startup Hats is a production of EarFluence and read by me, Dave Clark. 
You can find more information on EarFluence Podcast at EarFluence.com.